Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's give Him praise this morning. We've just loved singing about you this morning, Jesus. We've loved singing about your greatness and what you've done in our lives. And Lord, we are so excited to be together today in this place. There's a wonderful sense of your presence here. And Lord, what an honor it is. What an honor it is, Jesus. Just to be in your presence, to be allowed, to be allowed into your presence. We never, ever take it for granted. In fact, to actually live in it 24-7. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Don't you feel, isn't it wonderful just to know and just to think about the fact that we are just allowed to live with him and walk with him every day of our lives. Isn't that great? Fantastic. You may be seated. Well, we are going to have an amazing morning this morning. We have pastors Thomas and Katrina with us all the way from Oslo Christian Center in Norway. I'm telling you now, we are, we are going to have an amazing time together. And um, I'm just going to... Um, introduce Pastor Thomas to you in a few moments, but we've had, had a, a friendship and a relationship, Faye and I now, with, with Pastor Thomas and Katrina for probably about the last two years. And do you know what? They have been instrumental in so many things in this new season in our lives. And um, they've been a wonderful source of wisdom, great friends. So this morning, Pastor Thomas is here to bring the word to us. So as he comes, come on, let's give him a warm welcome. Warm Welsh welcome. Fantastic. Thank you, Thomas. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, what a fantastic church you've got, Dave. Or it's God's church, but you know what I mean. Fantastic. What an energy, and it's like uh, really like being home. It really is. And uh, I have to say, because I think it's now a little bit more than two years ago since we met the first time with Pastor Dave and Faye. And just to see now, you know, meeting again uh, two years after that, just to see what uh, God has put on your lives. I mean, you're the same, you're the same people, but you're different. There's really, okay, and we, we talked about it last night in the hotel room that, you know, what's happened? There's just something been put on you. And uh, I th- really, really think it's a God thing. And I, wa- I hope the church understands what amazing people you got as pastors. They are awesome. <laughs> and it's... We are so honored to be your friends and partners in God's kingdom. And uh, we have the same boss. We are doing the same stuff. And we're going to celebrate the same souls one day. But we're in different uh, places geographically. And it's our first time in Wales. So I wasn't sure if, if uh, it was you were going to sing in English or Welsh. But I'm glad that it was English so we could join in the worship. Uh, and um, I'm actually, I brought a couple of props from Norway uh, I'm, and it's not, I tried, I tried to use these illustrations. It, it doesn't always work out very good, but I will do my best. This is, this is like supposed to look like dynamite, okay? It was very difficult to bring this on board the plane. <laughs> but I, I told them I'm just visiting a very charismatic church in Wales. And they said, okay, that's fine. You're going to Ray Bevan. That's okay, yeah. <laughs> and then on this side, it's actually a crown, Okay. This is one of our kids' toys. We have three kids, 
Uh, one 15 months and one four-year-old and one five-year-old. So I love seeing the kids just everywhere because that's like it is in our church. And we tell no one to stop them. They just run around and do whatever they want. No discipline whatsoever. <laughs> uh, that's great. Can you see this crown? Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not going to do much more with these props. They're just going to be there and you're just going gonna to understand just... It's just a visual effect, so you can remember some of the words, perhaps. But it's a, it's a real honor to be here, and um, I will uh, actually go straight into the Word of God and read one simple text, or it's not simple, but it's, it's a text, and we will actually spend most of our time talking about the text, okay? So let us read Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 to 21. And I want to say, heart and soul on Thursday... Pastor Faye told you you're going to have heart and soul on Thursday. I love, I love those nights. So I would recommend everyone who has a you know, passion for the house of God and for church to be a part of that night and to really get the, get the vision and get the direction and get the spirit of the place. Those nights are excellent for that. So I'm, I was encouraged to see it's the same thing. It's what we do. And those midweek nights are just uh, fantastic. Okay. So Ephesians chap- chapter 3 says... Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. According to the, and it gets a little bit dark there, but it says, according to the power that works in us. And then to him be the glory. In the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Now for me, the first thing that catches my attention is that which is above all. Above all we ask or think. That's, you know, that's, that's the kind of stuff you, that's what you want to read and that's what you, what you want to have revelation for. But then I'm going to focus on the next sentence because it says, the power that works in us and then the glory that goes to him. So my message this morning is not necessarily a three-point message with a strong conclusion, but I'm going to talk about the amazing, not just balance, but the fullness of when we discover the power in us, that's the reason for this, that's the power in us, the actually, the Greek word there for power is dynamis, dynamis, and that's, that's where we have the word dynamite from, so actually it's about dynamite, it's talking about the dynamite that lives in us, and then on the other side, it's the doxa, it's the glory, so this is just a symbol of glory, <laughs> and it fell, okay, So just the fullness of the power that lives in us, and then the doxa, the glory and the worship that goes to him. And I think that is really amazing with the gospel and living with Jesus. That, you know, sometimes Christian thinking, tend or religious thinking, perhaps tend towards one of these emphasis, you know. And and I have to say, sorry if my English is not perfect. We're from Norway. This is my second language, or actually fifth language. First is Norwegian, Greek, Hebrew, Latin, and then English, okay? So I'm doing my best. It would be easier to preach in Greek, but, you know. So sometimes religious thinking tends towards, you know, one of the ditches. It says either maybe the focus is that it's, you know, it's glory... It's worship, it's focusing on that we are small, we are dust, we are nothing, he is everything. You you, you get the language? Sometimes religion can talk like that. Although it's worshiping something, it's still lowering man to a point where we are, you know, worthless. 
we are so low. And it's almost like a religious kind of humility. That is actually, you know, maybe not authentic and spiritual worship. It's just pushing man down. And then on the other side, sometimes, maybe some places in the world, the emphasis is so much on the power in us. The emphasis, and I'm, I'm going to show you what, my, what I mean, because actually dynamis and doxa are two great forces in the life we live with Jesus. Dynamis means power, might, strength, ability, influence, authority, supernatural power. Well, the doxa means glory, honor, splendor, standing in awe, worship, and all that. And sometimes it may sound spiritual to just focus on him. And you have to understand my heart because I believe he is our focus. And you're going to hear that soon, that he is our emphasis. He is the one we have our eyes on, okay? But sometimes it might, it might sound a little bit spiritual to say that I'm not worthy, It's all honor to him. I am dust. I am nothing. And in a way that's true. But actually the Bible says, yes, it's all about him. But actually he is all about you. So there's an emphasis on him, of course. That's where it all starts. It starts with doxa. It starts with worship. It starts with grace, with thankfulness and all that. And then actually the fruit is that there's also a message about us. Something happens in us. And sometimes religion wants to stop on that side. But the gospel is not just that God saved you and all honor to him. But then there's also the second part of the gospel is that there's a power working in us. Something happens in us when we worship him. And, you know, we understand that although we carry the power, we understand that there's another one with the glory. Okay? And I'm just going to move between those two all the time today. So just get used to it. You know, I'm thinking about the, the donkey that was riding into Jerusalem with Jesus, carrying Jesus. You know the story? Where everybody celebrates, everybody worships, and everybody welcomes Jesus into town. Imagine being the donkey for a second. That's interesting. And, I mean, it's a, it's a really honorable mission for the donkey. Carrying the Son of God, carrying the Messiah. What, what an honor. I mean, what a, what, what a volunteer position in the church to carry Jesus into Jerusalem. I mean, for the donkey, what, I mean, he should have what kind of volunteer sign should he have? What t-shirt should he wear? I mean, I'm on the, on the welcome team for Jesus. I mean, he could be so thankful. But imagine at some point when the donkey carries Jesus And everybody worships, everybody cheers, everybody celebrates for Jesus. Imagine if the donkey suddenly starts thinking, wow, this is real. People are really excited about donkeys over here. If he starts thinking, wow, this is donkey time. This is my opportunity. This is donkey show. I'm the donkey of the hour, the donkey of power. Imagine if he he starts thinking that the show is all about donkeys. It's donkey show. Does that even work in English? (laughs) Okay. And you know, the funny thing is that the potential is this potential of actually when we carry a certain power, which is great, and I'm not gonna, you know, put that down even even a second, but when it's funny the potential when we carry his power, the potential of becoming so self-obsessed. That at some point we carry the Messiah, we carry the gospel, we carry, I mean, the name that is above all other names. And suddenly, somewhere along the way, we start thinking about, yeah, 
it's, it's our show, you know? It's our time. It's my platform. It's my message. It's my, it's my church. It's my, and we forget the name we carry. And I think even, even though I love the local church, I'm a pastor, I'm a church. I mean, I love the church. I think it's a fantastic place. And just coming in here and see all the different cultures, see all the different generations. I mean, what other place in society do you have a place like this? Church is just so unique, so I love it. But at some point, I think it's fantastic to discover that although the church carries a power, it has the power to heal, to set people free, to connect people with their purpose, connect people with each other. You know, there's this fantastic understanding and revelation that it's never about the church label. It's about the name that the church carries. We don't want the the city to just know the name of the church, but the name of their savior. Amen? So I, I just think sometimes, I mean, for the donkey, the more the donkey would simply acknowledge that the one above him is the key person. I mean, the more the donkey just relaxes and rests in the understanding that I'm, I'm just lucky, I'm just honored, I'm privileged. It's about him. The more he acknowledges that, the more he will enjoy the ride. The more pleasurable the whole mission will be. And I think it's the same for us. The more revelation we have of doxa, just understanding the name that we carry, the honor we have, the joy in serving him, the more we will enjoy the power that works within us. And sometimes I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest now because sometimes I'm still a young pastor, you know, and sometimes I find myself maybe, you know, moving a little bit towards maybe one or the other side. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you about one time, which is uh, quite a few years ago now, 15 years ago, uh, and I was 21 years of age, and I was asked for the first time ever to preach and minister in a youth camp. Okay, and I was quite nervous. I mean, in my whole life, I had written two sermons, and I was supposed to have five sessions. So I had to download a lot of sermons from the internet and find some messages. And I was, I was really, I was really humble. You know, you could say, you could say that I was totally over on this side. There was, I felt no dynamis. I just felt God help me. Because I'm going to serve all these kids. And the guy who, who arranged the youth camp, they had really high expectations. So they came to me and they said, you know, Thomas, God is going to do great things tonight. They said, yeah, is he? <laughs> I, I hope so. <laughs> am, am I supposed to unlock that? Or <laughs> and I said, yeah, you know, tonight, you know, young people are going to get saved. Yeah, oh, I hope they'll respond. I was just totally over on this side. And they had even expectations of miracles taking place. And they said, yeah, feel free, Thomas. Pray for the sick and do whatever. And I said, yeah, I thought I was going to leave that to you guys. So I was, I was quite nervous. And actually, long story short, uh, uh, the sermon goes okay. And, and towards the end, there are two girls, two teenagers, coming to, uh, to be prayed for and ask for healing. And one of them had like a food um, intolerance, uh, what do you call it, like an uh, allergy, yeah. So there were certain kinds of food she, she couldn't take. And the other girl, and they came together, the other girl had asthma and had like, you know, lots of breathing problems. And the whole system was really, uh, yeah, she was struggling with her, with her breathing and all that. So they wanted me to pray for them. And they thought that, you know, I, I was the pastor coming in to, to pray for the sick. And I was just so nervous. And you know, my prayer, you could say, I was not just over here on the doxa side. I was, I was way over here. I was like, God, I have no idea what to do. So, you know, the prayer that I prayed for them, 
It was like one of these, I call it like a guaranteed prayer. Where you actually don't pray for anything. So nobody can say afterwards that you didn't get it. It's like, yeah, God, uh, you you see these two girls? Yes, you see them. And uh, tomorrow is a new day. Amen. Today is today. And God, you are good all the time. All the time, you are good. And tomorrow we will wake up for another day. In the name of Jesus, amen. It's just, it's just a guaranteed prayer. It's nothing. And on my inside, my prayer was like, God in heaven, please protect these girls so that they will not be too disappointed when nothing happens. That was honestly my prayer, you know, because I had no faith for any healing. I just said, God, please protect their thinking and their minds. Don't, you know, don't make them lose their faith just because nothing happens. Uh, you know, make so that they'll have a great weekend, although they won't be healed. That was basically on the inside what I prayed. And you know, God is so good because there's a power that works in us. And especially when you're over in that grace zone, when you just, you know, you feel like you're painted into a corner and either God's going to show up or you're just going to look embarrassed. And you know, what happened was that these two girls, I could see that they were really, really moved by the Spirit. And I have no idea how that could happen with the prayer I prayed. Uh, because there was no faith involved, but the, the tears were running down, and they were, I mean, they were really moved. And I, I was like, what's going on? And then, two weeks later, I get an email from these two girls. And one of them tells that she really felt that God touched her, and that she was healed. So she, she wanted to be really, really careful, which we should be when we, if we have an allergy, and she was going to try new food. She wanted to, you know, go very, very slow. Of course, listen to the doctor and all that. But, but, but she tried. And she tried more and more because she was convinced something had happened. And two weeks later, she had eaten all kinds of food and nothing, no reactions in the body. Everything was fine. And the other girl... And all glory to God. Uh, the other girl told that she felt actually the miracle right away. She felt the, the, you know, the, the whole breathing system just released. And, but she wanted to wait to see a couple of weeks that this was lasting. So she sent the email two weeks later and told, I have had no more problems. I've been training. I've been working out. I'm in, in school. I do all the activities that the other kids do. And I'm fine. And I, I just thought, God, you are amazing. At the same time. I started to think, remember I was 21 years old, so be graceful to me, okay? I started to think, yeah, maybe I've got something in this area, you know? I don't know. I was very humble last time, but maybe there is like a healing touch in my ministry. And you know, the next youth camp, which was a short time later, I was sort of, I've been pumping my confidence a little bit. And you know, yeah, it's, it was ridiculous how humble I, I, I was. I, I can see things happen. So in the next youth camp, I got some strange idea that maybe, maybe I'm the next Norwegian youth healing evangelist. You know, so in this youth camp, I was, I was, you know, I was inviting everyone to come. And I would say, hey, come on, bring it to me. All sicknesses. If you got fever, cold, ha, I laugh at fever. Come on, bring it on. The deaf will hear. The blind will see. The lame will walk because I'm in town. And suddenly the donkey thought it was donkey show. He was confused. And you know what happened in the service? Absolutely nothing. Actually, I think a few of the people I prayed for were a little bit more sick afterwards. Somebody with a hurting back went out with a hurting leg too. That's when you know you're not doing it right. 
And you know, the whole, these two experiences was just afterwards. That was my first sort of connection with, wow, there's something here about the fullness of doxa and honor to him and living in grace. At the same time, understanding there is a power. There is a power. We're not just supposed to stop and say, yeah, I'm dust. We are nothing. We have no faith. There's, you know, God, you are all, but I am, I am zero. I'm worthless. There's a false religious sense of humility on that side. But however, on the other side, sometimes we can suddenly, because we carry a power, because the church is attractive, because it draws people to the church, because the church, you know, uh, it's a place for miracles, it's a place for healings, it's a place for people's lives to get turned around. Sometimes we just forget the name we carry. You know, I, I, was, I was teaching, um, two years ago, I was teaching my daughter Sophia to bicycle, you know. And she was, she was uh, sitting on the bicycle with this, you know, support wheels on the side. So I was, I was going back uh, behind her to, to push the bicycle. And she was really angry with me because I was pushing her. So she said, like in Norwegian, she says, boot, which means go, boot, boot, boot. And I go like, yeah, okay, fine. She's the three-year-old. Yeah, okay. I, I won't do anything. And, but then she stops and because she couldn't move forward without me. And he goes like, oi, oh, oh. So I go back and I push her again. I say, hey, you need my help. So I push her and she goes, no, boot, boot, boot. And I let go and she goes, oh. Oh, and so, and we continued, and boot, 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 oh, and after a while, she got a revelation, actually, when my dad pushes me, that helps a little bit, I can move forward, and that was, she was like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll let you push, you know, uh, and you know, after that incident, I, I really felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, you know what, Thomas, that's like leading you, is it, yeah, it's like, you know, boot, boot, boot. I want to do it my way. This is my ministry. I have a vision. I have a plan. This is my direction. And God goes, okay, I'll be gentle. And I go, oh, oh, what happened? And I'm over at this side. Oh, God, I need your help. And God says, yeah, come on. And I go over here. No, I got the power. Boot, 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 oi. Boot, 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 oi. Boot, 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 oi. Boot, 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 boot. And that's how life goes. <laughs> you know, doxa, this side, I think particularly, is something that is difficult for us, for the modern man to understand sometimes. Because in the modern, postmodern thinking, why should man subordinate to anything, give honor to something, worship something? Because the modern thinking is that man is top of the food chain. And although we do believe that man is made unique, it's made wonderful, it's made valuable, something happens when man puts himself in the center, in time we become unhappy, we become restless, we become self-obsessed, and we just become slaves of our own life. But when we go over to Doxa and we actually worship, we put the name that is above all other names in the center, man flourishes. And we get to carry the dynamis. So give doxa and the fruit is a life of dynamis. One illustration of that is that in a little town in Norway, there's a little town, a village called Rukan. And engineers have put up a huge mirror at Rukan because the, the village lies between, in between some mountains. And these are real mountains. I've seen the mount, what you call a mountain. It's a big stone, okay? <laughs> but in this village, it's between some mountains, 
And uh, apparently there's no sunlight for five months a year. No sunlight gets into the town. So engineers have done an amazing job putting up these, these mirrors. So the mirror is turned towards the sun. And the sunbeams from the sun reflects down into the main street of the city. It's really, you know, an amazing construction. So that for the five months where this village is usually in darkness, as long as the mirror it turn, is turned towards the sun, it reflects and the, and the main street is actually lit up. So it's an amazing construction and all that. And, you know, I just thought it's such a beautiful example. Because the city of Rukan. Yeah, I know, Rukan, you can't say that in English, can you? Rukan, it doesn't work. But you know the city of Rukan, it's like the people of Rukan, they enjoy this. They know, wow, when our mirror is turned towards the sun, it lights up our village. But imagine if the inhabitants of Rukan start thinking that actually the sun must probably be orbiting around Rukan. Probably Rukan is the center of the universe. And the sun is just, the, the only thing the sun wants to do is to light up Rukan. No, it's not like that. It's not like just because they get sunbeams. Rukan is like the center like, as if the sun is orbiting or circling around Rukan. No, it's just that the sun is so huge. It's so great. It covers everything so that everything that is turned towards it, towards the sun, it will light up. And you know, I think it's just a beautiful illustration how God, when we give doxa, he is so all-powerful. He is so great. He is so awesome. He is so good. He is so, you know, omnipotent. Um, um, You know, everything. So that everything that is turned towards him, everything that has their heart's mirror turned towards him, it will always light up. Or every person who has their doxa, their mirror, their heart's mirror turned towards him, it will somehow light up. And that does not mean that God is orbiting around me. And I'm just talking about the balance here. Because I totally believe that God's favor is upon us. God loves you. He, I mean, he, he knows your name. He, he wants to put his favor on your life. He wants to bless you and all that. We totally believe that. And we preach that in our church. God's favor upon people. Yet at the same time, sometimes it's in our language we can sometimes talk as if God is orbiting around me. You know, my dreams, my visions, my goals, my finance, my family, my house, my prayers. My, it's like everything God is doing is orbiting around your little world. But you know, we need to just get the planets in the right way here. We need to understand that it's the earth orbiting around the sun. It's not the sun orbiting around the earth. And it's the same way with God. It's that we give doxa when we understand that God is only good. Everything that is turned towards him will be blessed. But it's us orbiting around his name. It's not God having to chase us to, you know, fulfill everything that we want to be all all powerful in. It's actually him who is all powerful. And when we orbit around him, that's when it lights up and then we get his beams. Amen. You know, God is the only one who by being self-centered blesses everything. When man is self-centered, he just dries out. When man is self-centered, he's just empties himself because Jesus said whoever wants to gain his life or win his life will lose it but the only one who by being self-centered give lives to everything is God 
So, you know, when we are centered around God, and Jesus says when we lose our lives to him, that's when we gain life. The gospel is so amazing, and it just makes us understand that it's not just losing our life, full stop. No, it's losing our lives to him, giving our lives to him, saying my life belongs to you. And the fruit of that is that you gain life. But sometimes religion pulls full stop after the first part. It says, give your life to God. Surrender. Follow these rules. Do this stuff. You have to serve him. You have to worship him. You have to do these things for him. So they put full stop. But there's no promise. There's no gospel. There's no good news of resurrection. You know, it almost teaches that man should die for God's sake. But there's no message of resurrection. But the gospel is that we died with him, but then we resurrected with him. And that is the full gospel. That is the whole gospel. We, we need to get both parts ready, you know. <coughs> I'm sorry. Um, Dave, Pastor Dave and Faye were with us two years ago. And we just told a little bit about the process that we've been through in our church. Because we have some really similar stuff that we went through. Uh, which is really amazing. And so, I mean, we didn't contribute that much other than just telling the story. Because before we, we, we took over the, the main leadership of our church, now two and a half years ago, uh, we had a really, really difficult process before that. And I was really humble before God. And I prayed the kind of prayers that almost as if I was back at the youth camp, you know. I was saying, God, please choose somebody else for this position. I had a humble language. I said, God, I don't think I'm qualified for this job. I'm probably too young. I'm probably always going to be compared with my dad because my dad founded the church in 1985, had been the same senior pastor for 27 years. And uh, we were asked to take over. And that was a long story and a long process, but I was so humble. And I thought, I really thought from the bottom of my heart that I'm not qualified for this. This is not what, what we're going to do. I want to serve God. I want to be a pastor. I want to be in the kingdom but not this church. This is not for me. And I was thinking, everybody is going to compare me to my dad. Always. I mean, his amazing legacy, what he has, what he has done. And I think you, you've also had a, an amazing senior pastor in this church for many years. And you know, stepping into that, you just, you just, you become so humble and you say, God, I, I'm not sure this is right. I don't, think I'm, I don't think I'm the right person. And if you got somebody else, I will support him. I will be on his, his side. And, you know, I think, I think that was, I think that was uh, you know, a healthy attitude, to be honest. Uh, because I'm not saying that was wrong to think like that. Because I think what would be wrong w- would be for me to say, yes, I really believe I am the one. Uh, you know, I should, I should take over. And if there's anybody else here, I will, I will take them down. No, that would be a wrong, that would be the wrong attitude. So I'm not saying I had a wrong heart. I believe it was the, a healthy spirit. But then, when God calls you into a life of dynamis, and he says, I will give you power for this, to continue standing over here and saying, no, I'm not worthy. It's not actually real humility. It's actually pride. Because I'm telling God that for me, it's more important what people will say and that they will perceive me as a humble man than what you are saying. You know, the most humbling thing is when God tells you to be bold. It's really humbling. Because I wanted everybody to know me as a nice guy. 
I wanted the church to say, yeah, Thomas, he's like a humble, he's just serving God, his heart is so sweet. So when God calls you to say no, step into leadership, step into responsibility, make difficult decisions, lead people, lead the church. It's humbling. So can you see how just how it's opposite? Because in human eyes, everyone who is humble is just low and saying, no, I'm, I'm not going to step on everyone, on, on anybody's toe, you know. I'm just going to be here in my corner, quiet. But, you know, God tells you to step into dynamics, and it's as if you have to conquer your pride and say, okay, I'm, I'm actually going to conquer my humble pride, my religious kind of pride, saying I'm not worthy, I'm not qualified. It's like being disobedient. Sometimes we think... A man who is obedient to God is someone who is very low and humble. And it is. At the same time, sometimes obedience to God is stepping into what he has called you to do. It's actually to put that self-centered, false, religious humility aside and say, Okay, God, if you call me to this, I will always remember the name I carry. I will always remember who called me, who sent me. I will always remember where my power comes from. I will always remember the name that I'm sent to represent. But if you say that I'm going to step out into this, all right, here we go. But on your command. And then you go out and maybe you face some opposition and you face some trials and some challenges. But actually, authentic humility, authentic worship is to care more about what God says than the reputation you get among people. Amen? Amen. So it's just... You know, we're, we're moving towards a conclusion, I think. But let me, let me, towards the end, say something about how religion and how the gospel works as opposed to religion. Because I, th- I really think that all kinds of religions, including Christianity without Jesus, has the potential to make people either proud or condemned. It's always one of the two. Because it's like religion says, here's the bar. Here are the demands. You know, like in, uh, what do you call it, in track and field when you're supposed to jump over. What's that in English? Heard, yeah, I heard about, uh, I have to illustrate. High jump. Okay, thank you. You got the picture. Thank you. Is that on tape, by the way? Okay. It's like high jump. And religion, uh, it's like high jump where religion says, here is what you have to do. And every time somebody jumps over, they feel proud. I did it. I'm a a spiritual person. And everyone who fails feel condemned. And they feel, no, I'm not good enough. I'm disqualified. It's like a height jump competition where you're supposed to get to the final. And there's a qualification round. And in the qualification, somebody makes it, somebody doesn't. And everybody who made it feel proud. And they feel religious. But those who fail, they either become condemned or careless. They say, no, I don't care about God. I don't care about faith. I'm not able to live that life anyway. So it's like becoming careless. It's the easy way. Or they become condemned and feel, I'm just not good enough. And you know, not just religion is built up like that. Society is, in a way, built up like that. And it has to. I mean, you do an achievement and you get a reward. It's just how it works. You do a good test in school and you get a good grade. I mean, when I was a kid, I remember really well, I, I don't know how it is in England or in, in the UK, but, but in Norway, you get, in the, in the young classes, you, you don't get grades, you just get the smile 
or you get a grumpy face, or you get a flat face. That's the most interesting one. When the teacher tells you that your paper did not move me either on this side or this side, I'm just careless to what you did. It did not involve my emotions whatsoever, so I'll put a... And if you did it really bad, you got the grumpy face. If you did a really, really, really bad test, you got a grumpy face with tears. Is the same in the UK? We got this in Norway. And if, you, if, you re, if your test was just awful, my teacher gave me not just a grumpy face with tears, but like a death skull on the... No, I'm just kidding. No. But you know, you, you're being graded. You're being evaluated all the time. And that's how it is. We can't change that. But it's very, very dangerous when we bring that concept into our relationship with God. Because religion says, here is the bar, jump over it, and you're okay. And everyone who makes it becomes self-righteous, and everyone who fails becomes condemned or careless. Well, God's grace. It's not that God lowered the bar to get more people over. No, he lifted the bar for no one to get over. So that everyone is disqualified. Society tries through tolerance to lower the bar. It says, no, it doesn't matter. You can, you can sleep with whoever you want. You can say whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. Society tries to lower the bar. It's called tolerance. But it's actually only made to, feel us, to make us feel self-righteous. Because we can jump over the demands and say, hey, nobody can judge me. I did it. I'm a good man. I never killed anyone. I've never you know, done, done really bad stuff. I'm I'm okay. But you know, the gospel is not that God lowered the bar. He lifted the bar so that the successful businessman or the guy who comes straight out of a disaster and every single one starts out in the same position. We're disqualified. James chapter 2 and verse 10 says that if you fail, whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. And this, this is actually one of the things that makes the church so amazing. Because none of us can enter into this place and say that, you know, I'm really qualified for this. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really qualified for religious living. No, everybody comes in here and we're all disqualified. No matter income, no matter history, no matter what family you grew up in, no matter what religious background, we're all disqualified. Which may sound discouraging, but it's actually the most encouraging thing ever in history. Because what Jesus did in this height jump competition, you understand the picture? (laughs) He took the starting number of every one of us. And he says, give me your starting number. Give give it to me, all of it. And he takes on everybody's starting number and jumps over and qualifies. So suddenly we're all in the final. (laughs) And who can stand in the final? And say, wow, I'm doing this really well. I'm a good height jumper. I'm qualified for the final. No, everybody will say, no, you're disqualified. It's because of that guy that you're here. And who can say that, no, oh, I'm so bad I didn't jump high enough. Everybody will say, hey, come on. That doesn't matter. None of us did. But you're here because of that guy who jumped over for us. And can you see how the gospel makes us, on one side, it makes us really humble. And on the other side, it makes us really dignified. You know, the gospel makes, even when we succeed, we can remain humble. And even when we fail, we can remain our dignity. Religion makes people either condemned or proud. Religion makes people even humble and bold 
at the same time. Uh, sorry, the gospel makes people humble and bold at the same time. It's honor to him because everyone was disqualified. But it's also the power in us because everyone is qualified. So to say here in this church, everyone is disqualified. That's not a discouragement. Because the next point is that we are all qualified on the same terms. So nobody can judge anyone and say, I'm, I'm, a, you know, I'm a better Christian than you. Or I'm a worse Christian than, than you. Everybody is disqualified. But everyone is qualified. That is the gospel. And it makes us humble and bold at the same time. It gives us plenty of doxa and dynamis at the same time. I can get the musician up here, please. You know, living in this, in this balance, I just want to close with this. And say that living in this gospel, not just for salvation, but also in ministry, in serving God and living this life. I feel that the fullness of both these two powers, these two forces, is just such a richness in serving him. And it's like two revelations. I'm usually in a sermon like this, I will have one point, one conclusion, one message. I want to summarize the whole sermon in one, one sentence. But in this message, it's more like two revelations because they're so, they're so, you know, attached together. And sometimes even now, years after the youth camp, <laughs> um, sometimes in building church, we maybe experience success we, we experience that things grow. We experience that things happen and people celebrate you as a pastor and people support you and they say you're doing a great job. And suddenly somewhere along the way you start to think, well, I'm really good at this. You know, I should write a book now about how to, tra- how to transition a church in a successful way. 250 easy steps. And then you remember, no, I'm disqualified for this. And you get, and you, you come back to the doxa part, and the glory part, and the worship part, and the grace part. And then sometimes in ministry, I'm, of course, I'm talking from the, from the heart of a pastor, but I think it applies to whatever we do in the kingdom of God. Suddenly, sometimes we feel like we're failing, and we feel we're coming too short, and we feel that we're not doing anything right. And we become maybe a little bit too humble, but then we, rem- we remember, no. We are all qualified. We're qualified because of him. So it was never my skills who was the deciding point to begin with. It's because of him. And what a fullness to live in both these revelations. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Everything, 1 Corinthians 8 and chapter 6, especially in the Norwegian translation, it says that yet for us there is one God, the Father, of whom are all things and we for him. The Norwegian translation says that everything is by him and we are for him. Everything is by him. He is the source, which is him giving to us. But then our lives are for him, which is us giving our lives to him. You know, serving him and giving, just responding back to him what belongs to him. Amen? Everything is by him and we exist for him. And you know, in this doxa thing, there's actually another Greek word in the Bible. That is called paradox. Paradox. I'll close with this. There's a paradox. And you know what that is? A paradox. And you you know the word. It means something unexpected. Something unbelievable. Something amazing. Something unusual. It's opposite of what you thought. And final scripture in Luke chapter 5 and verse 26. It says that they were all amazed and they glorified God. 
They glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. Maybe I forgot to send that verse. We have seen strange things today. And what that word means, what that sentence means is we have seen paradoxa. We have seen a paradox. Is that an English word? Paradox? It means something opposite to what you thought. And I think the gospel in every way is just opposite. Everyone who seeks glory will lose it. And everyone who seeks him will gain it. Amen. So everything is, I mean, the gospel is a paradox. That's why Paul also says that the word about the cross, it's, I mean, it's foolishness for those who perish. But for us who believe, it's the power unto salvation. And right now I want to invite you, anyone in this room, into experiencing that power for the first time. And my invitation is for you who maybe have never received Jesus. Maybe you've never been a Christian. Or perhaps you have been a Christian like formally. Maybe you're even, you know, uh, baptized as a child. I don't know. But you have never said yes to the gospel. You've never responded to God when he gave his life for you. This is not religion where you're supposed to meet certain demands to be good enough for God. This is God meeting the demands on your behalf and saying, all you have to do is to accept what I did for you and receive my name. And although you, don't, you might not understand everything, maybe there are things with faith that you're still reflecting on and not understanding. This is not about getting answer to all those questions. It's about getting answer to that one question. Who is Jesus? What has he done for me? So I want to invite you, whether you have never responded to Jesus, maybe this will be the first time ever you say, okay, God, I accept what you did for me. I don't understand it all, but I will give you the chance to enter into my life. Or maybe you want to return back to God or come come home. Maybe you've been just distant and God has been there all the time, but maybe you feel like you've just been living in another home. You want to come home and say, yes, God, I belong to you. I belong to your family. I want to receive your grace. Could we close our eyes in the whole auditorium, please, just for a minute, if everybody closes our eyes. And I will just ask, uh, just in a moment, I will ask if you could raise your hand. Not yet, but just in a second, I will ask you to raise your hand. If you want to say, Thomas, please pray for me. Include me in your prayer that I will have peace with God. That I can receive his grace and respond to Jesus in my life. I will not do anything humbling towards you. I will not call you out. I will just pray for you wherever you sit on your chair. So now, as everybody has their eyes closed, can I ask who is here who wants to be included in that prayer and say, yes, I want to receive his grace. Now you can lift your hand. Who is here who says, yes, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you over there. God bless you over there. God bless you so much. Are there any more? If if I've already, God bless you so much. If I've seen you, you can take it down again. I have a couple of people to help me. Are there any more? I think I've seen five hands. If you have not lifted it yet, receive Jesus now and say, yes, Thomas, pray for me. Pray for me, please. Include me in your prayer. And it doesn't matter where you come from. doesn't matter what background, what belief, whether you feel like a qualified or disqualified Christian. Everything that matters is that you say, okay, Jesus, this mystery that is called the gospel, I will give it a chance in my life. Is there anybody else? I'll ask for the last time now. Anybody else? Who says, Thomas, include me in your prayer. That I will experience Jesus for the first time in my life. Amen. 
Thank you so much. I will pray a short prayer, and I'll actually lead the rest up to Pastor Dave, if you want to lead in a, like a confession or whatever. But I'll just ask a simple, uh, pray a simple prayer for you. Father in heaven, I thank you for your amazing grace. And I thank you for every person in this auditorium who has lifted his hand or her hand and said, Yes, Jesus, I accept that you qualified me. I accept that by your grace you did it for me. I pray for them, Father in heaven, that they today will be filled with your spirit. Discover how the gospel sets them free. I pray that they will go to sleep tonight knowing they are the children of God. They are sons and daughters of heaven. All their sins are forgiven. They have a future and a hope. The name of Jesus is alive and it rests within them. I pray, Father, that they will get a consciousness of your salvation about how righteous they are, how forgiven they are, how loved they are, how embraced they are by you, Father. I pray for a real revelation, a real meeting with the Holy Spirit today, Lord. I pray afterwards, I pray that they will be connected with good people who can stand together with them in their walk with you, Father. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen.